Sporting dog adventures run, that boy, run. Was awesome. Everything you Good need boy. is here. here under the sun. Everything you need is here under the sun. The Sporting Dog Adventures podcast is proudly brought to you by Saki Acres Retrievers. Whether you're looking for a black, yellow, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppy, please check out our website for more information at www.sakiacres.com. You can also email Jeff at sportingdogtv at gmail.com or call 262-215-9683. And remember, everyone deserves a Saki Dog. Hey, welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Fuller from Soggy Acres Retrievers, and I have a very special, and I mean special guest here with me. We have A.G. Shaw from Hardcore Retrievers. A.G. runs my dogs competitively, and I thought it would be a neat thing to have him on today and talk to him about what it's like and how you should get your dog prepared prior to sending them to a pro trainer. So, A.G., welcome to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate it. Excited to do this. Yeah, so we're getting to the point now where this is the first time in, wow, many years I'm not sending a dog with you uh, because we retired out my two dogs to your chagrin. And uh, we've got, I thought it would be a good thing to discuss for people that are planning on sending their dogs out for training. What do you tell people prior to drop off when you're going to go on a trip like you are soon where you go south for several months to train? Um, well, I think, uh, we, we got like the, the two different groups, the dogs that are coming back to me and the dogs that are coming to me for a first time, you know, the dogs that are coming to me first time. Um, I just tell the, the customers just kind of do what you've been doing. Um, you know, nothing special there. Cause we're going to start with, you know, obedience session. We're going to do force fetch and all that, that stuff with the, the first time dog. Um, you know, more advanced dogs that have been to, been with me last year and coming back, you know, I'll, I'll say, you know, take them on walks, get them some exercise, get them out. Um, if you have an ATV, you know, just take them for a light jog around and stuff like that. Um, you know, right now we're getting ready to go on our winter trip. So we're going from 20 degrees down to 70 degrees. So, um, you know, there's an acclimation down there. So, uh, those dogs that are more advanced when we get down there, we start off with some obedience and get them back used to being around me and stuff like that. And then we'll, we'll do shorter marks. We'll do, instead of running, you know, 120 yard mark, we'll do, um, you know, 50 to 70 yard marks for the first few days and maybe not um, be as tight on blind work with them. Um, you know, kind of let them get back in the swing of things. And, and now, what do you uh, mean by tight and blind work? Because people um, are not going to understand that if they've never really yeah. trained at a level. Yeah. So, you know, when we're running blinds, you know, we, on, on more of a finished dog, we're, we're, we expect them to take every cast and change direction the way we want them to. If it's a slight angle or, or a larger angle, you know, we, we won't be as, hard on them is at first, if they make a mistake, we want to get them back in the groove and uh, understanding what we're asking them and stuff like that. So, so we kind of give them a little leeway those the first week or so, and then we start tightening up and, and expecting more and more out of them as they uh, progress and get back into the, the, the groove. 
of running. I guess, yeah, I guess even what we probably should explain is to people, a blind retrieve is where the dog doesn't know where the bird is. You line the dog up, you basically get them so they're lined up so their spine is in line of where, they, where they're going to drive to, where the bird is. You give them a command of dead bird, and then you tell them back, and they drive out. And when AG was talking about was you're giving them commands once they get offline. So once they're not going straight to it, you stop them, hit the one whistle, the dog turns, sits, looks at you, and then you're giving them hand commands to go right, left, or back. And it's, mm -hmm. it's really a cool thing that I think a lot of people don't realize these animals are capable of when they're, when they're a well-bred dog. Yeah, but I mean, when I first got into this, I've never seen a dog do the things that they can do. Um, and like you said, when you, you raise your hand, whatever angle you put your hand at is the angle you're expecting that dog to go back. So if it's straight, if you want to go straight up, your hand goes straight up in the air. If you want more of an angle, you, you, you twist it that way. So, and they would take that 45 degree direction change ragged rather than a, a, you know, straight back. So it's, it's interesting how the more advanced dogs can pick up on the little cues we do. Um, but as for training and stuff, we're going to add a new, new thing this year to us um and roading the dogs where we put them on a utv on the side of a utv running with us at a real slow pace and it's supposed to help them kind of clear their mind so they're not they're not their anxiety goes down and then also get them in better shape so just like athletes if if you're in better shape when you're you're running a competition or you're training you're not going to get hurt as easily if you're more flexible and all that stuff so that's supposed to help with that the conditioning process so we're going to do that this year so that's that's something new we're adding to our our uh training se sessions so now, are you going to do that times before that. or after like and, and is that something like you do it throughout the whole season or is that something like you're going to ramp them up to kind of get them to a certain level where they're in shape so they don't make as many mistakes when they're tired or is that a so, continue it through the whole year? We're going to continue that through the whole year and we'll start maybe at uh, five minutes the first day and then we'll work our way up to, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes a day, uh, probably twice to three times a week is what I'm thinking we're going to do that. Are you going to start at the um, yeah. level where you're using an ATV and eventually then you're just jogging with the dogs, being one with them? I think that would help the bonding process if you did it with them. <laughs> I, think, I think that would be great for me, but I, I don't think I could handle it. So I think watching <laughs> I couldn't one either, dog pick I up a couple of dogs is killing me. So <laughs> <laughs> you just, you're, you're more worried about having, having the, uh, the endurance for your thumb for the throttle, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I gotta, I gotta keep up with my technique on the ATVs. So that'll be my <laughs> practice time. So, but that's so real slow. I mean, you're not going fast with them. It's, it's just a real slow pace. So we're, we're, we're looking forward to doing that and hopefully get some good results. Um, and then we will, then we'll, like I said, we'll start at, you know, 70 yard marks and by the probably the end of the month, we'll be doing, you know, 120, 150 yard marks. So in a hunt test situation, you know, we don't have to go over 150 yards. We're not doing field trial dogs and stuff like that. So um, and we'll do a lot of swimming work in the beginning to, you know, get them out and give them some exercise there and make them comfortable in the water. Um, yeah, I always, the I always dogs, when, I, when I got dogs in for training, I always, uh, my gosh, I would spend the first two to four weeks just getting weight off of them. And I would tell people like, hey make sure your dog's in shape. Like you can't have yeah. a fat dog. And my wife would always tell me like, you're going to get people angry. And I'm like, 
but they're wasting their money if I if I'm basically working on trimming their dog down and getting them into shape. I mean, there's getting them in game shape, which is what you're talking about, and then there's having a dog that's got forty extra pounds on them. Right, right, and and that is a a, a big deal, and and people don't understand that uh, an in shape dog to most people looks too skinny, but that's where they're supposed to be. So we don't have the, the hip injuries and, and uh, you know, cruciate ligaments and stuff like that getting torn. So that's why we, we get them down slim and the, they're in better shape and run faster and look better. So, so but yeah, we get a lot of, that, when you've got someone that's bringing a young dog in, that's never been trained before the, the question's always, what do I need to do with them? And I mean, I would always, it sounds, I guess, simplistic but would tell people like well the dog needs to know it's the commands for obedience as well as its name do you give anybody any other i guess direction other than that you know i think if the the people want to come and you know learn some obedience before the dog comes i'm more than willing to to help them and, and show them the the right way to do that um but i also tell them you know you're you're sending the dog to me to to train it so um but a lot of them will ask what i use for commands you know sit here heal and uh you know and, and fetch and stuff like that so um but so i probably have two or three people that, that come to me early if their dogs let's say they, they picked up a puppy and you know maybe it's four months old or something they're not coming till they're six months old then and they want to work some obedience and it works out pretty good. You know, I'll, I'll show them some stuff. They'll go home and do it. And then when the dog comes, it's, it's a little ahead of the game, you know, probably saves them a week of training that I can move faster onto something else. But for the most part, you know, we're going to go through all the stages, no matter where your dog is. It's just, we can go through it faster if they've already. You back. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyway, we can move faster. No, through, that's fine. If everyone um, to, to let everyone the parts that they've done. Sure. Yeah. To let everyone know that's watching the show. Uh, we got away from the video podcast for a while and AG is my guinea pig. And I'm like, all right, dude, we're going to figure this out. So we're trying this new program. It's obviously a little bit glitchy, but seems to be working fairly well. So you might see some stutters. My face is really dark because I don't have proper lighting on in the in the room right now. I thought I did, but overall, it's uh you'll still get good audio out of it. But so you're headed south. When do you normally go south? How long do you stay south? And what are the benefits of these trips down south? Where you always see trainers advertising that they go south for the winter. Right. So. I it gives everybody a, a a head start. You know, we can, you know, being in Wisconsin, you know, our water's hard for about three months. So, um, you know, that, that gives us a jump start in getting the water and getting the dogs ready for the hunt test season. So, and then it allows us as humans, you know, not to be out there working in gloves and, and, and hats and stuff like that. So it's a, I'd say the advantage is that we get, you know, a two, three months head start on everybody else that stays in the north. And with the hunt test season fires up in April and May around here. So we wanna we wanna have that head start. So where south do you go then? There. Yeah, can you hear me? Um, I actually go down to Florida. 
Um, I have a, yes, I have a, uh, a hunt club down in Florida that I go to and can train the dogs there on about a thousand acres with a, a pond and all the good stuff you need to train dogs on. It's about 10 minutes from my house that I stay at down there. So it's in, uh, I guess it's near Lake Okeechobee. Okay. Now we're again, we're having a little bit of video quality. So if this ends up a little bit uh, jacked up, it, Please, please uh, understand it's, it's something that we're working on to try to set up so that we can have it at a, at a better level in future. But uh, right now we're talking to A.G. Shaw, Hardcore Retrievers. A.G., again, he's run, oh gosh, he's put master titles on My Dog Tank uh, as well as Ace. Um, he'll soon have my, my new dog, Jackson, uh, once, once he's old enough. But uh, he does a great job. He's out of Elkhorn, Wisconsin. He trains gun dogs as well as uh, hunt test dogs. I guess, A.G., the last part for this, when we talk about hunt test dogs, can you explain what a hunt test is so that people, I guess, understand the different levels and how it works? Sure. Um, most of the, when people talk about hunt tests, usually they're talking about uh, a simulated duck hunt. And uh, we do, there's usually a series on the water and then a series on the land. So we'll do a, uh, if, you, if you're at the top of the game, it's, it's three ducks thrown out and the dog has to remember where they were, they were thrown to and use his memory and then proceed directly out and retrieve those ducks. And then we'll do the blind, which we talked about earlier, that the dog did not see. It's a bird that, that maybe the dog was retrieving another bird and got shot and he never saw it fall. And we'll use hand signals to get him there. And then he'll have to honor the work of another dog. Um, so it's generally a hunt test. You know, we do both those setups on land and water. So um, that's, that's kind of what they are. It gives you something to do with your dog in the off season and keep your dog in great shape and, you know, achieve some things that you thought your dog never could achieve. Yeah, I've often told people when they see a dog even run at a, at a low level where the dog just goes out and picks a bird and brings it back and sits at heel, they'll talk about what a great dog it is. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a nice dog. It's doing its job that it was bred for. But the untapped potential in people's hunting dogs is just unbelievable to me because people have low expectations. And if you have high expectations and you put some time into your dog or have someone work with your dog, it's really amazing what they can do when they're performing in the field. Right. I think, uh, I think when you thought you had a, uh, a great hunting dog and what that dog really could have become, um, you know, with, with training and stuff like that, um, you know, your dog really could be one of the top dogs in the country. Um, you know, not just run out and grab a bird for you and bring it back, but but there's so many things these dogs can do that that we we just we don't tap their potential. So, Ag, if people wanted to find your website, where would they go to find out more about you? And then uh, you're going to stay with us for the next part of the show, and we come back, and you're going to give us a training tip that we can work on if we actually have our dogs through training and just want to get them ready All for right. the upcoming Sounds hunting good. season and something to work on. Where would we go to find you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Facebook. It's all about the dogs, Hardcore Retrievers. You can find me at HardcoreRetrievers.com. Um, 
those those two will get you there. All right. Thanks so much for this part of the show. Stay tuned as we talk next about a great training tip that you can work with your dog at home after this. If you love the shooting sports like I do, you need to check out our friends at Mac Outdoors. They have fantastic products, whether you're looking at shot shell or metallic reloading, or you want to get yourself a clay thrower so you can practice up for the season. For more information, check out their website at MacOutdoors.com. It's Jeff Fuller from the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, and I need a little help. Please stop what you're doing and give us a five-star rating. Follow us on the platform you're on. Give us a thumbs up. And above all, share our podcast with your friends and family. Our podcast will grow even more and we can get more people involved in the sport we love with Dogs in the Field. Hey, welcome back to the show. So we're back here with AG Shop Hardcore Retrievers. AG, we uh, are going to talk about what to work on without a trainer just like a tip i've got my dog hunting season went well now we're getting into spring what is something that you can work on with your dog throughout the year to get them so that they're prepared for fall i think um you know what whatever you you hunt out of if it's a you're a field hunter and you're using a, a mud hut or you know if you run out of a boat a lot you know taking the dog out with you in the boat, have the dog stand on the side of the boat or however they get in and out and and throw simple marks for them and just have them get used to going in and out of the boat or the, the dog hide, you know, work on your, your control and, and have them sit and stay in the, in the dog hide and throw the marks and then release them on their name. That way, you know, when you get to the real action, your dog isn't breaking when, when the birds are, you know, one bird falls and you got another five or six coming in and you, your buddies start getting mad at you. So uh, I work on sit and and uh, control. So I think that would be a, a big deal going into the next season. And then if you, you know, just throwing marks for them, you know, a couple times a week, keep them in shape and stuff like that. Now it's funny because you said releasing them on their name. So it brought me to another uh, interesting one that a lot of people that aren't steeped in dog training would not know we release our dogs by their name to go retrieve instead of saying fetch you use their name why is that um well we we only do blinds we use back as as the the go word yeah. um on marks of the cue yep and then on marks we want to you know we're, we're saying you saw that bird, you go get it. When we do a blind, we say dead bird, and that's letting them know we're gonna work as a team and they didn't see this bird, and then we release them on back. So that's the the main thing. And probably, it probably goes back to, you know, you're hunting with two different dogs mm -hmm. and you wanna send your dog and not uh, Cujo. So you say uh, Gucci, you know, and, and Gucci goes. And then next yeah, time it's Cujo's you turn, so you can get your honor. Like 15 dogs out there at once. Right. Right now, now I don't know. Most of the guys that, that I hunt with their their dogs, uh, you know, it's generally a race to the bird because they get tired of the one dog that's trained. He, he'll sit, but he's never going to get a bird if he doesn't go. So, where their buddies' dogs aren't aren't trained, so then they start letting them go, and then they send them back to me, and say, you know, have me tighten them back up on sitting. 
Yeah, it's funny. I always get the, can I bring my dog along when I, when I have guys that go out and hunt with me and generally speaking, it's people that have dogs that are poorly trained and they want to get them out and get them experience, but they want my dog along. And I'm always like, Hey, it's, it's, it's all or nothing. Like I, I'm not taking my dog along and having them learn how to break and be a knob because your dog doesn't listen. So it's, uh, my, my preference when I hunt at my property is just to take my own dogs because then there's just so much less stress. Correct. Yes. And that, I think, uh, you know, the dogs that, that aren't trained, you know, you want to go out and enjoy the experience and you want to go, you put all the time and effort into training your own dog. So, you know, you want that dog to get to the retrieves and stuff like that and not have to deal with the, the dog jumping around, knocking the guns over and stuff like that in the blind. So a well-trained dog out hunting is, is much better than, than Cujo who's going crazy in the blind and eating all your, uh, you know, Tw- Twinkies and stuff. So I don't take Twinkies. Oh, sorry. I mean, we, we actually, we actually last year we had a crappy season, so we didn't go out much. But I actually bought a griddle that I could put on top of my little camp grill, so that we could make breakfast out in the blind. And it was, it was pretty badass. We had like eggs and bacon, and we didn't have, didn't have a toaster, obviously, but it worked out pretty well. <laughs> Maybe you'll have to if we have if we have a good season this year, you'll have to actually go and do something like novel, like go out and hunt this year in waterfall season should i bring the toaster you got a generator um i don't we could run up we could run a long cord but it would it would have to go through water so i don't know how that <laughs> would work unless you wanted to bring like sticks to put the the cord up on i'm sure electricity and water is perfectly safe <laughs> all right yeah i mean as far as what i always tell people is like like you had said just work on obedience um i'm a huge proponent when i would send dogs home i would tell people if you have something that looks similar to what you hunt in, take the dogs out and throw decoys out, throw other, throw birds if you have some frozen birds, throw bumpers if you have bumpers, but let them see what they're going to see in the field so that the first time they go out hunting isn't this big shock. And it's funny because the story I use is about my dog Ace. Now Ace, I had just gotten back from my good friend A.G. Shaw and took him out on a uh, youth duck hunt. And Ace had never been hunting before. He's qualified all age. He's got his finished title. He had just passed the grand. He's got his master title. And I took him out and I started throwing decoys and he kept bringing the decoys back because he had never seen that in the wee hours of the morning. It was new to him where he's like, well, hell yeah, I'll go retrieve. I'll retrieve anything. And he's bringing the decoys back. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this dog's got all these titles and he's, he's never been hunting. So I had to, I'd have a little talk with him and make him sit by me while we, while we did that. But it, it is interesting that at, there's, there's no, there's no substitute for actually the real game when you're going to go out and do it. Right. I think uh, I like to tell people, you know, the dog's got all the education behind him, but he doesn't have the real world experience. So I think, uh, you know, you got to be patient and, and, you know, let it evolve into being this phenomenal hunting dog, but you just got to understand, you know, what he's doing out there. And I think, like you said, you know, you're in the off season, you, you take him out on the duck boat or, or into the, the blind, if you got a little hole, they got to go in or anything like that, expose that to them before you go hunting rather than when you're out there with, you know, 10 guys hunting and stuff like that. And, and, you know, you get that out of the way by yourself, you and the dog, and then he understands everything. So. Well, that's it for this part of the show. AG, we're going to make you stay around for one 
more part. We're going to talk about what to work on when you're actually running your dog out in the field. You take him out on a, on a hunt. What are some things that you suggest? I'll give some things that I suggest as well. And uh, we'll do that in the next part of the show if you can hang around. Sounds good. All right. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be back with all that and more after this. Welcome to Boucher and Janesville, where customer service is our number one priority. Our customers come back to us because of the experience that we provide for them. We're here to make sure that we find you the right car, one that fits your budget, and do so in a timely manner. When we say we ride with you every mile, it means we care about you and how you are treated. Estamos con personal que habla español en los departamentos de servicio y venta. Our certified technicians are here to help you with all your service needs. Visit us today at Boucher.com. At Boucher, we ride with you every mile. Hey, welcome back to the show. So we're back here with AG Shop Hardcore Retrievers. AG, we uh, are going to talk about what to work on without a trainer. Just like a tip, I've got my dog, hunting season went well, now we're getting into spring. What is something that you can work on with your dog throughout the year to get them so that they're prepared for fall? I think, um, you know, what whatever you, you hunt out of, if it's a, you're a field hunter and you're using a, a mud hut or... You know, if you run out of a boat a lot, you know, taking the dog out with you in the boat, have the dog stand on the side of the boat or however they get in and out and and throw simple marks for them and just have them get used to going in and out of the boat or the, the dog hide, you know, work on your, your control and, and have them sit and stay in the, in the dog hide and throw the marks and then release them on their name. That way, you know, when you get to the real action your dog isn't breaking when when the birds are you know one bird falls and you got another five or six coming in and you, your buddies start getting mad at you so uh, i work on sit and and uh control so i think that would be a a big deal going into the next season and then if you you know just throwing marks for them you know a couple times a week keep them in shape and stuff like that now it's funny because you said releasing them on their name so it brought me to another uh, interesting one that a lot of people that aren't steeped in dog training would not know we release our dogs by their name to go retrieve instead of saying fetch use their name why is that um well we we only do blinds we use back as as the the go word um on marks the cue yep and then on marks we want to you know we're, we're saying you saw that bird, you go get it. When we do a blind, we say dead bird, and that's letting them know we're going to work as a team, and they didn't see this bird, and then we release them on back. So that's the the main thing, and probably it probably goes back to, you know, you're hunting with two different dogs, mm-hmm. and you want to send your dog and not uh, Cujo, so you say uh, Gucci, you know, and, and Gucci goes, and then next yeah, time it's Cujo's turn, so you can get your honor. Like 15 dogs out there at once. Right. Right now, now I don't know. Most of the guys that, that I hunt with their their dogs, uh, you know, it's generally a race to the bird because they get tired of the one dog that's trained. He, he'll sit, but he's never going to get a bird if he doesn't go. So, where their buddies' dogs aren't aren't trained, so then they start letting them go, and then they send them back to me, and say, you know, have me tighten them back up on sitting. Yeah, it's funny. I always get the can I bring my dog along when I when I have guys that go out and hunt with me and. 
generally speaking, it's people that have dogs that are poorly trained and they want to get them out and get them experience, but they want my dog along. And I'm always like, Hey, it's, it's, it's all or nothing. Like I I'm not taking my dog along and having them learn how to break and be a knob because your dog doesn't listen. So it's, uh, my, my preference when I hunt at my property is just to take my own dogs because then there's just so much less stress. Correct. Yes. And that, I think, uh, you know, the dogs that, that aren't trained, you know, you want to go out and enjoy the experience and you want to go, you put all the time and effort into training your own dog. So, you know, you want that dog to get to the retrieves and stuff like that and not have to deal with the, the dog jumping around, knocking the guns over and stuff like that in the blank. So a well-trained dog out hunting is, is much better than, than Cujo who's going crazy in the blind and eating all your, uh, you know, tw Twinkies and stuff. So I don't take Twinkies. Oh, sorry. I mean, we, we actually... We actually, last year, we had a crappy season, so we didn't go out much, but I actually bought a griddle that I could put on top of my little camp grill so that we could make breakfast out in the blind. And it was, it was pretty badass. We had like eggs and bacon and we didn't have, didn't have a toaster, obviously, but it worked out pretty well. Maybe you'll have to, if we have, if we have a good season this year, you'll have to actually go and do something like novel, like go out and hunt this year in waterfall season. Should I bring the toaster? You got a generator? Um, I don't, we could run up, we could run a long cord, but it would, it would have to go through water. So I don't know how that would work unless you wanted to bring like sticks to put the, the cord up on. I'm sure electricity and water is perfectly safe. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I mean, as far as what I always tell people is like, like you had said, just work on obedience. Um, I'm a huge proponent when I would send dogs home, I would tell people if you have something that looks similar to what you hunt in take the dogs out and throw decoys out, throw, uh, throw birds. If you have some frozen birds, throw bumpers, if you have bumpers, but let them see what they're going to see in the field. So that the first time they go out hunting, isn't this big shock. And it's funny because the story I use is about my dog Ace. Now Ace, I had just gotten back from my good friend, AG Shaw and took him out on a uh, youth duck hunt. And Ace had never been hunting before. He's qualified all age. He's got his finished title. He had just passed the grand. He's got his master title. And I took him out and I started throwing decoys and he kept bringing the decoys back because he had never seen that in the wee hours of the morning. It was new to him where he's like, well, hell yeah, I'll go retrieve. I'll retrieve anything. And he's bringing the decoys back. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this dog's got all these titles and he's, he's never been hunting. So I had to, I'd have a little talk with him and make him sit by me while we, while we did that. But it, it is interesting that at, there's, there's no, there's no substitute for actually the real game when you're going to go out and do it. Right. I think uh, I like to tell people, you know, the dog's got all the education behind him, but he doesn't have the real world experience. So I think, uh, you know, you got to be patient and, and, you know, let it evolve into being this, phenomenal hunting dog but you just got to understand you know what he's doing out there and i think like you said you know you're in the off season you, you take him out on the duck boat or or into the the blind if you got a little hole they got to go in or anything like that you expose that to him before you go hunting rather than when you're out there with you know 10 guys hunting and stuff like that and and you know you get that out of the way by yourself you and the dog and then he understands everything so well, that's it for this part of the show. AG, we're going to make you stay around for one more part. We're going to talk about 
what to work on when you're actually running your dog out in the field. You take them out on a, on a hunt. What are some things that you suggest? I'll give some things that I suggest as well. And uh, we'll do that in the next part of the show if you can hang around. Sounds good. All right. Everyone stay tuned. We'll be back with all that and more after this. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun. 